invite you to be seated. So for the last three weeks, uh, we've talked about Jesus' ascension, giving his instructions to his disciples for the last time, promising the Holy Spirit will come, then we had Pentecost, and last week we talked about Peter's two-minute and 37-second sermon. You will not be getting a two-minute and 37-second sermon today, I'm sorry. But for the next eight weeks, we are going to be talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at some events in the, the Gospel of Luke. And the first one we're going to take a look at is a very fascinating event. So I want you to, uh, if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can follow along in Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. And today we are going to be talking about what has God done for you. And we'll talk more about that here in a in a while. And so the first verse says this in verse 26, then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. The they here is Jesus and the disciples, and they're in a boat, obviously. So a little context here. I love maps, and I have a map here just to kind of show you what's going on. So this is the Sea of Galilee. This is uh, almost three hours north of Jerusalem by car, and I know that because when we were there, that's how long it took to drive up there. So on your left-hand side there, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, is where Jesus had his base. That's where his ministry was based from up there in Capernaum, and he did a lot of ministry in those cities there. On the left, you can see Nazareth down here. That's where Jesus was raised where he lived and was raised as a child. In the passage today, it says that they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And in some translation, it says they went to the other side, which is, if you can see there in the middle, on the east side of the Sea of Galilee is Gergesa. And so in that area is where they went. Now, something to know about this area, this is a big no-no area for Jews. They're not supposed to go hang out over there. This is where the Decapolis was, the, the ten cities that were made to be like the Greek cities. There was a lot of worshiping of other gods going on there, a lot of sin, a lot of things that went against the Jewish law, and so they weren't even supposed to associate with the people on that side of the Sea of Galilee. But that's the first verse. This is what we're being told here. Jesus and the disciples went over to this side of the Sea of Galilee, to the east side. And so let's go on here in the text, verses 27 through 29. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son? Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized this man. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. 
So remember, this is a real event involving real people in a real time, in a real place. I showed you the place here just a little bit ago on the east side of the Sea of Galilee is where this took place. This poor guy was being tormented by demons. He wore no clothes. They even kept him in shackles and chains so that he could not hurt the people in the town. But even then, he could break free from those chains because that's how powerful these demons were. Now, what's this tell us? Demon possession is real. Is it something we have to worry about? No. We have the Holy Spirit. But this is a, something that can happen. And it did happen. And Jesus is the first thing he is confronted with when he goes to this side of the Sea of Galilee is a man possessed by demons. And if you notice from this text, these verses right here, the demons immediately notice or realize that this is the Son of God, Jesus. They know who he is. And they're scared of him because they know how powerful the Son of God is. So let's go on here. Verses 30 through 36. Jesus then asked the, the man, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to, to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these pigs. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. All right, there's a lot going on here in these verses. First thing we see is that the demons are asking Jesus to have mercy on them. Because they know that he can command them to leave this guy alone. And so they ask to be sent into some pigs. Does anybody find this comical? Or is it just me? These poor pigs were in the raw wrong place at the wrong time. Now remember, to Jews, pigs were considered unclean. And this is in a land of unclean people. And so we see Jesus has mercy on these demons. See, these demons don't even want to go back to the abyss. You know it's bad when even the demons don't want to go back there. And so Jesus grants their request and sends them into these pigs the pigs eventually run down the cliff and into the water, into the Sea of Galilee, and they drown. Now these herdsmen here, we can see in these verses here, witnessed all this. Now I can't help but think that they were probably a little upset, right? They lost the whole herd of pigs. And that tells us that they were scared of what they had witnessed Jesus doing. And then this man, who the town knew as the crazy guy possessed by demons, who ran around naked terrorizing the people, this man was all alone. 
he had no clothes. He was tormented day in and day out. They see this guy sitting at Jesus' feet and in his right mind. And so they definitely witnessed a miracle here. They knew something was going on with this Jesus guy. So let's go on here with the last couple verses. Verses 37 through 39. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So after reading through this, this uh, passage a couple times, there were a few things that really struck me about this event here, that Jesus healed this man seized by these demons, tormented for who knows how long. The guy gets healed, and he wants to follow Jesus. He wants to go with Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? No. I want you to go back to your city and tell them what God has done for you. And so it made me think of a couple things here. I have them on the screen and on your sermon notes. We aren't always called to what we necessarily want to do. But God calls us to exactly where he wants us. Have any of you ever experienced this? You all know my story already. But maybe you think you want to do something for God's kingdom and you're told no and instead go, go do this. That's kind of what happened with this guy here. He wanted to go and follow Jesus and be with Jesus. But God said, no, I want you to stay here and tell people about what I did for you. So we talk about this, and that's what we've really been talking about, what's been at the root these last three weeks, is, is sharing the gospel, spreading the good news, sharing what God has done in your life. However you want to put it is what we've been talking about. And something we notice here, it doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to be a pastor or a theologian to spread the good news of Jesus, to share the gospel with those around us. So what did this guy share is my next question. Well, he was called to share what he knew, not what he didn't know. You see, a lot of times I think we make it more difficult than it needs to be. We hear the word evangelism, and it, it's a scary word. And it's usually hard in churches, you know, that have boards and a board of evangelism. That's always the last position that's filled because nobody really wants to do that. It's a scary word, am I right? I don't really like that word, evangelism. But I think we make it harder than it needs to be. You notice what Jesus, the Son of God, told this guy what to do. He didn't tell him to go and be a great theologian. 
He told him to go tell people what God had done for him. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible or how much of a theologian you are or aren't. We can all share the good news of Jesus and what he has done in our life. And you know, it probably wasn't easy for this guy when he went back to this town, by the way. Remember, he was known as the crazy guy that was possessed, that ran around naked and terrorized people, broke free from shackles and chains with demon strength. So he probably had to reestablish relationships. And to me, Scott Hedke, this is one of the most important things we can do in ministry, no matter what kind of ministry we were doing, is build relationships with people. And then they will listen to you and what God has done for you. So what did this guy probably eventually end up sharing? He shared how Jesus freed him from the shackles and chains, from the torment, from the loneliness, from the pain, from the madness. Does this sound like anybody else besides this man that was possessed by demons? Is this something you and I could share with people? So that's the next question I have for you this morning here. What can you do? Remember, it doesn't have to be hard, this sharing the good news. Share what Jesus has done in your life. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use big theological words and quote scripture at the drop of a hat to be able to share what Jesus has done in your life with somebody that God may put in your path where you can plant that seed of good news and then the Holy Spirit takes it and grows it in whoever you just shared that with. And that's how it works. This is what we are called to do as, as disciples of Jesus. This is what the last thing he told us before he ascended into heaven, go and make disciples of all nations. Tell people what I have done for you. And so you know what I did is I asked a number of different people in our church here, in our Promise family, your fellow brothers and sisters here, I gave them no context. I said, I'm going to use your quote, though, in my sermon. I did say that. And asked them the question, what has God done in your life? And here are some of the answers I got, not using names, but the first one here is from a mom of three children. Jesus has always kept his promise to be faithful and have a plan for me. He has shown his faithfulness in every stage of my life through growing up, marriage, motherhood, and leading children's ministry. Hmm, I wonder who that is. <laughs> Next one, from a grandma and a mom. God has been faithfully by my side through every situation, good and bad. I love my earthly life and have been blessed beyond measure, but I can't wait to be in heaven with Jesus. Next one, a mom of one child. Every time I fall, he's provided for me and picked me up to keep going. 
He's given me strength when I wanted to just give up. Next one, from a a grandpa and a dad. God has used the power of the Holy Spirit to significantly impact my life. Here is one example. The Holy Spirit clearly used a sequence of events that prompted me to ask my wife to get a CT scan of her lungs when she had no plans to do so. It revealed cancer, but at stage 1A. She had surgery to remove it and did not need chemo or radiation. That was five years ago, and in April, Cleveland Clinic declared my wife free of any lung cancer. Do you see how these quotes, when you're just talking with people that God puts in your path, can open up a conversation to where you can share the gospel and talk about what God has done in your life, talk about how Jesus came. Do you see how these can open up those conversations? The next one is a dad of three three kids. Every time in my life that I wanted to doubt my faith, God has shown up through family cancer and death and a lot of uncertain times. God has provided a healthy way through my circumstances and reminds me that circumstances don't define me. He also does a good job of knocking me down a peg or two every once in a while, so I stay humble. And then he laughed out loud after that. Next ones are for some of the children of our congregation here, different ages. First one is a 12-year-old. Whenever I get down on myself, I remind myself that Jesus loves me and takes care of me. It's okay not to not be perfect because of what he has done. A nine-year-old, he has kept me safe in storms and sports. I know I can pray to him when I am scared. I love when you ask kids these questions. Seven-year-old says, God helps me do things like ride my bike with no training wheels. A couple other kids here. Six-year-old says, God helped me get a hit in baseball. But again, this could open up a conversation. Ten-year-old, God gave me grandmas and grandpas that do lots of things for me. And then a five-year-old says, God can hear me anytime I pray. I like to pray at bedtime. I have a couple more here. I wanted to get a wide array of different age groups. And another grandma and mom here. Because of God's love, I'm able to feel his presence, which gives me comfort and peace. I know that one day when he calls me home, I'll be with him face to face, glorifying him with all the other saints celebrating my eternal salvation. Then last one from another grandpa here and dad. God brought me into a Christian family that saw to my Christian education. He provided me with all gifts I needed to share the good news of Jesus with people and reassured me that the Holy Spirit would bless my feeble attempts. And these are just all a few examples of how you can start those conversations and building relationships with the people in your lives it can be this easy to just share what God has done in your life that's what Jesus told this guy to do go tell people what God has done in your life and that's what he did he didn't tell him to do to talk about things he didn't know anything about he just told him to go talk 
about what God has done in his life. And that's what that guy did. And the Holy Spirit will use that, just like he uses it when you and I share what God has done in our lives. And, and the most amazing thing is, 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 like I said, we are just like that man that was possessed by the demons. We have been freed from the shackles and chains of sin. We have been freed from torment and madness and pain because of what Jesus has done for us. We have hope. And I have a picture here of what our hope is all based on. Jesus dying on that cross and Jesus rising from the tomb three days later. Because of what Jesus did for us, we have hope and we know that our lives on this earth isn't the end. It's really only the beginning when we go to be with him in heaven and live forever. And that's the best news that we could share with anybody. Will you please pray with me?